Well, hello, teachers, and welcome back to another episode of the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast. Caitlin Mitchell here, and I am your host. Now, today's episode was inspired by my own recent experience with trying to save time and really think about where I was spending my time. So we're going to apply the lessons I learned to shaving off some time that we are spending with our own lesson planning. So I'm really excited to get into today's episode, share these ideas with you, and then give you some actionable strategies that you can walk away with and start implementing for yourself today if you want to. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast, where it's all things reading and writing all the time. Game-changing lessons and fresh ideas, along with a dose of inspiration, are shared to help make your teaching life just a bit easier. And now your host from the blog EB Academics, Caitlin Mitchell. Okay, so first I want to start by talking about kind of where this episode was inspired by. And um, we have a team at EB Academics, you know, Jessica, myself, someone named Kara. Kara's actually on Instagram. You can find her at Riley Reads YA. She's great. We love her. Um, and then Sherry is another person who works for us part time as well. And Kara wanted both Jessica and me to do a time audit of ourselves to see where we were really spending our time, what we were spending our time on, how long we were spending our time on certain things so that we can really figure out how to best delegate roles and responsibilities within EB Academics, really so that Jessica and I can just mainly spend our focus on supporting our members in the EB Teachers Club and then our teachers who are in our writing instruction, a proven approach online professional development course. So really that was the goal is to just sit down and do this time audit. And so I started doing this last Monday. So it's been about eight, nine days that I've been doing it. And it was really interesting to see. So anytime I sat down to do a new task, I would put in what task I was doing, the time I started it at, and that I was working on it. And then whenever I finished or completed that task, I would then add up how many minutes I had spent on that particular task and track that. And so what I found was really interesting that I was spending a lot of my time on certain places, but more than that, I found that it helped keep me focused. So those are the two things that I want to talk about that it did for me. And then I want to talk about how these can relate to you when you are planning um, and when you're, you know, figuring out how you're going to do certain things after school, where you're going to spend your time on what we need to do just as teachers, right? There's so many things that we need to spend our time on. So the first thing I want to talk about is number one, that doing this time audit was really interesting because it helped me stay focused. Because I had already started a particular task and I had started like a timestamp. So let's say it was responding to Facebook posts in our Facebook group, and I started that task at two o'clock. I would write down that I started that task. And since I was managing, or I'm sorry, since I was like really um, monitoring my time, I wanted to make sure that I didn't overlap certain tasks. So when I sat down to respond to Facebook group posts at two, I would stay only in that task until I completed that task. And so that was really cool because I found myself not really jumping around to different things. Because in the past, I think what I was doing was I'd be, you know, responding to Facebook posts and then I go check email and then I do a little bit of another project and then I'd go back to the Facebook group and then I'd go do something else for a little bit. And so my time was being really spent in different places. And so instead of going like 
100 miles an hour with one particular task and getting, you know, ramped up and spending all of my time on that one particular task, I'd be spending maybe 30 miles per hour here, five miles per hour there. You kind of get my analogy here. And so it was really interesting because what I realized is I was losing time switching between tasks because my brain had to switch. I actually had to physically switch the task that I was doing. So I was giving, I was actually making work a lot harder on myself because I was spending more time than I needed to on these tasks. Whereas if I had just compartmentalized them, done one at a time, at a time, at a time, I wasn't losing that switching time in between tasks. So that was something really, really interesting that I found as well, that it kept me focused and that I wasn't wasting time switching tasks. The other thing that it allowed me to do is it allowed me to see really where I was spending the majority of the time and then where I could cut out maybe something that I didn't really need to even be doing or something that could be better planned. And so that was really interesting too to see, oh my gosh, I'm spending 60 minutes answering emails. You know, how can I better use my time and delegate emails to, you know, our customer service, our community um, manager, Sherry, right? How could Sherry help me with some of this, these tasks that need to get done for the company to run effectively? And so that was really interesting too, of how I could better plan and better delegate these tasks that I was doing. And so then after kind of, you know, over the weekend, as I was thinking about this and just how interesting it was to me, and I listened to another podcast episode about tracking time and managing time and time switching and things like that, it really made me think about how much this really parallels planning and teaching. And so I want you to think about this now, obviously, with your teacher hat on, what this looks like as a teacher in my classroom. How can I apply this to what I'm currently doing when I'm planning? And so This whole idea of tracking time is really going to help you keep focused. So I want you to think about when you sit down to like do your planning and maybe you're awesome and you're, you know, an A plus teacher or student and you, you know, spend your time very effectively, very efficiently. But I know the majority of majority of us don't. And I know I certainly didn't all the time. Um, And I want you to think about like where you're spending your time planning. I mean, physically, where are you when you are planning? I know plenty of times when I first started teaching, I would be plopped in front of the TV or I'd be on Facebook or I'd be distracted by something else. So what might take me like two to three hours with distractions could have probably only taken me 45 minutes, maybe an hour. And so maybe that same thing is applicable to you, right? If we aren't spending time sitting in front of Netflix while we're planning and searching online for something to go with whatever grammar concept we're teaching, Imagine if you could shave off an hour, an hour and a half of your time and over time throughout the week, that's a lot of time that you're going to get back. And so if you could even get that down to like, let's say 30 minutes of planning without distractions, think of that, that you could do those 30 minutes at school after school ends. And yeah, you might leave at 3.30, 3.45, but then you don't have to do anything else when you get home. That is an amazing feeling. I will tell you right now that when I became a mom, when I left school, I left school. I did not bring anything home with me. And becoming a mom actually really helps me manage my time a lot better because time is so limited when you have an infant, when you have a toddler and your life is all about, you know, keeping them fed and making sure that they don't injure themselves in the other room or something like that. But I would leave school at 3.15, 3.30 every single day. And what I would do is at the end of the school day, I would lock myself in my room. I would not let anybody come talk to me. And whether or not that meant I just had to say, 
you know, I'm working on something right now. Can we talk about this tomorrow or at lunchtime tomorrow? which is totally fine because I use my lunchtime to interact with my colleagues. But I would spend those last 20, 30 minutes after school got out, after the bell rang and everything was quiet to just get stuff done. Just stay in the zone, no distractions, get it completed and then leave and close my door and go home and be with my family. And so that will be really helpful for you and really just managing your time and making sure that you think about how you're getting focused, like where are you planning? What is surrounding you as you are planning? And if you're distracted, maybe think about what ways you can get rid of those distractions. What can you do instead that's really going to help you? Something else about tracking your time, like I said before, is it really allows you to see where you're spending your time. So if you're grading student papers, you know, you're grading uh, multiple choice tests and things like that that take forever. If you don't have a Scantron machine, when I taught high school, we had a Scantron and then I went to middle school and they had no Scantron and I was like, what? (laughs) How do you survive without a Scantron? But my point is, is if you're spending the majority of your time grading a test that could be easily put into Google Forms, let Google grade them for you right? Let something else do the work. It's all about thinking smarter, right? We want to work smarter, not harder. And so by all means, moving that test into a Google form is going to end up saving you so much time in the long run. And this can be something as simple as, you know, students have the test next to them. So they have the printed out paper next to them. But then in Google forms, they're simply choosing A, B, C, or D, or true or false, or however it is that you choose to set up your test. So you don't even need to transcribe all of the questions into the Google form. You just move over the letters and you could have a student set that up for you because it's not like they're going to know the answers. You could go in and put the answers in later before kids take the test. It's a super simple and fast way to grade. And again, we're using our time smarter, more effectively, right? So that we're not wasting our time on certain things that we shouldn't be doing or don't need to be doing. What's also really cool is that you might realize, and this is something that I started to realize, right, as I was doing my audit for myself in the business, is how much time I was spent doing things that weren't really focused on what I needed to be doing, what the task at hand was. And so I equate this to teaching is you might be spending a large chunk of your time searching for various lessons online, like in different places online, right? You get one idea, you go here, you get another idea, you go here, and then you go down the rabbit hole and you end up on some random page that you're like, how did I get here? I'm sure you have done that before. I did that on Instagram the other day. Britney Spears opened up her, I don't know, like museum experience in LA and I went down this crazy rabbit hole for way too long. But my point is, is how easy it is to get sucked in and get distracted. And so what you think is maybe actually three hours of lesson planning on the weekend might only be three hours of actual hardcore planning and two and a half hours of searching, of falling down that rabbit hole, of getting lost in something that isn't really even applicable to the lesson that you are trying to create and trying to build for your classroom. And so when you do this, when you do a time audit of yourself, it actually gives you a good idea, a really good idea of where you can shave off some more of those hours, right? Stop spending time searching online in every single place. Find one place that is your go-to and start there. And so I like to use a shopping analogy here to kind of um, help explain this a little bit better. A little bit better. So when I go into like Nordstrom's or Macy's or a big department store, something like that, I don't know about you, but for me, it is incredibly overwhelming. I spend 
all kinds of time looking through all the different racks at all of the different brands. I mean, there's so much stuff on the second level of Nordstrom store. I just can't even, it's so overwhelming to me. I don't even know what to do. And so what happens to me is I come out empty handed and I knew I wanted to go in and I wanted to get a new sweater. Like that was the reason that I went to Nordstrom in the first place. And I can't even find a new sweater because there's just way too much stuff. Okay. Whereas on the flip side, if I had just marched my butt right into Madewell, which I know 99% of the time I'm going to like what they have and they have way fewer options to choose from, I know I am so much more likely to find a sweater that I love and honestly spend a significantly shorter period of time shopping trying to find that sweater. And that's a real life example. That happened to me the other day. I went to Nordstrom. I wanted to get a sweater. I spent an hour at Nordstrom searching for a sweater, could not find one, way too much stuff, went to Madewell, spent two minutes, found a sweater and left. Had I just gone to Madewell in the first place, I wouldn't have wasted 60 minutes of my time only to come out empty handed. And so really it's the same thing when you're searching for lessons, right? Start with where you are familiar and start with what you love and go from there. One other thing with this that you could take it even a little bit further is start to think about like what generic lessons do you already have in your teaching back pocket, right? Use those go-to lesson ideas that you can integrate into any unit. So for example, in our Teachers Pay Teachers store, we have 10 um, critical thinking activities that can be used with any unit of study. Whenever I felt stuck on, let's say, Romeo and Juliet or a certain novel that I was teaching with my students, instead of spending a ton of time trying to find something online, I was like, oh, I have these 10 lessons, these 10 activities that I can use with any unit. I'm just going to use one of those. So again, it's about thinking smarter and not working harder. And so to sum it all up, it was really interesting for me to do this little time audit with myself. And I immediately saw the crossover and how it applies to teaching as well. And I was so excited about it. As soon as I realized it, I was like, oh my gosh, Jessica, we have to do a podcast episode about this. It's going to make so much sense. It's going to be so helpful. And so to get you started with doing your own time audit, I want to give you some actionable steps. I want you to move forward, right? It's all about making progress over perfection. So let's take a step forward and put this into action so that we can see some real significant change in our lives. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick one to two weeks. So it could be today. Let's say you listen to this on Tuesday when the episode aired. Pick the next one to two weeks that you are going to track every single task that you do throughout your day. And granted, this is beyond, you know, just like teaching in your classroom, but I'm talking, what are you doing with your time at lunch? What are you doing with your time at recess? And if you are spending time with your colleagues, by all means, that is so worth it. And I did not work during recess or lunch because I needed that mental break. But this might be after school, right after the kids have left or when you go home on the weekends, where are you spending your time and start tracking it? And so, like I said, I've been doing this for like eight or nine days now, and it's fascinating. And I actually set everything up in an online program called Monday. And it's a, you know, management systems uh, software that we use online. I don't know if they have a free version, but if they do, you could totally set it up and track your time as well uh, in there as well. Um, But you could easily use like a Google sheet or an Excel sheet instead. And so what I do and what you could do as well to really emulate this is when I sit down to begin a new task, I'll go into Monday and I'll type the title of the task into a box and I'll type the time that I started working on that task. So I know that at two o'clock I started working on this. Once I complete that task, I will then add up exactly how many minutes I spent on that task. And if I take a break, I always take that into account as well. So I make sure that I don't include more time than I actually spent on an overall task. So if I get up to get food or something like that, 
I take that out of the time that I spent on that task. And so I urge you to do the same thing for the next one to two weeks and then look at where you're spending your time. Decide where you can shave off some of those hours that you're spending on teaching tasks outside of school hours. And then I would love to know how it's going. Like tag us on Instagram at EB Academics. Let me know that you are doing your time audit. You know, sometimes we just need someone to hold us accountable and I'm more than happy to be that person to hold you accountable online for sure. Um, so just let me know. Tag me on Instagram at EB Academics. And the other thing that I want to say about this is don't fall off the wagon, right? It was so easy for me when I got to like day three of doing my time audit, I started to forget and I started to slip. And I was like, no, I have to stick to this because yes, you are tracking your time. Yes, it's like another thing we have to remember. But at the end of the day, what you're going to find out about your own time audit is gonna reveal a lot to you about where you're spending your time and what you can do to get more of your time back at home with your family, with your friends on the weekends so that you aren't aren't stressed about school, but you also are still able to get that lesson planning done quickly, efficiently, and effectively. So before we end today's episode, I want to just remind you in case you haven't heard that we have an amazing free live training that's coming up on February 20th. It is called the secret formula for planning, engaging ELA lessons. And this totally ties into what we're talking about today with doing our time on it, audit, managing our time. So how can we then take that concept of managing our time and then take the strategies that we're going to teach you in this free live training and start creating engagement engaging ELA lessons for our kids that aren't going to take us, you know, seven hours on the weekend because that's crazy because nobody wants to do that. So I will be actually sharing more details next week about how you can sign up for that for free, but mark your calendar February 20th. And then the other thing that I want to say is also on February 20th, we will officially be opening the doors to our monthly membership called the EB Teachers Club. And the EB Teachers Club, we like to consider it your one-stop shop to really just revolutionize like for that's the best term I can think of to revolutionize your teaching and really engage and challenge your students we have exciting rigorous hands-on ELA lessons in the club um, because at the end of the day we want your students to just be you know jumping out of their seats to come back to your class the next day because they're just having so much fun with you and we want you to be able to also have fun with your kids and get your nights and weekends back and not plan a ton of time on your nights and your weekends because we know teachers work so extremely hard so to sign up for the waitlist for our EB teachers club and you'll also get an invitation to join the club earlier than everybody else before we open enrollment on February 20th. We'll be opening enrollment for our waitlist teachers earlier than that. Head to ebacademics.com forward slash membership. Again, that's ebacademics.com forward slash membership. You'll learn more about the club and you can also add your name to our waitlist. And then if you haven't done so already, I'd love for you to take a moment, leave us a review in iTunes. And when you leave us a review, just know that you're helping us spread the word about the Teaching Middle School ELA podcast to reach even more middle school ELA teachers just like you. So those reviews really mean a lot to us and they really help us affect and change more people's lives. All right, you guys, I'm actually going to see you on Thursday this week for a special bonus interview I did with one of our EB Teachers Club members, Monica Jayasinga, and she's going to share 
share with us all about her experience as an EB Teachers Club member, what it's done for her teaching, what it's done for her students, and really at the end of the day has allowed her to spend more time with her new daughter, who I think at this point is eight or 10 months old. I can't remember exactly how old she said, but she's darling. She sent us a picture the other day. So we will see you for that bonus interview on Thursday and have a wonderful rest of your day. Start that time audit, tag us on Instagram, and I'll see you guys later.